If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What is intermittent fasting? What impact does it have on your body? And is it beneficial to everyone who uses it? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. There have been so many diet fads over the past years. We hear about it all the time. There have been books written about it. There have been blogs. For a long time, too, I mean, grazing was popular. You were told to just kind of eat throughout the day. Um, other people say you got to eat breakfast first thing in the morning. But then there's this idea of intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is something that's gained a lot of traction in the last five to 10 years, but fasting as a whole has been around for thousands of years. People have conflicting thoughts about it. I mean, for a long time, we heard, okay, it could shoot your metabolism, but is that really true? What are the benefits of intermittent fasting and who should be doing it? Well, I have a lot of questions. I don't know about you. So I'm going to help you out and have a guest on who is an expert on this topic. My guest this week is a Canadian nephrologist, Dr. Jason Fung. He's a world-leading expert on intermittent fasting and low-carb, especially for treating people with type 2 diabetes. He's written three best-selling health books, and he co-founded the Intensive Dietary Management Program. Dr. Fung, I'm extremely impressed. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. All right. Intermittent fasting. We have heard about this a lot in the last 10 years. And um, I'm curious, I myself do not do it, but a lot of people I know do. What is it? So fasting is actually um, any period of time that you're not eating. So if you think about the word breakfast, it's the meal that breaks your fast, which means that fasting is really just part of a normal cycle. So the body sort of exists in two states. You're either feeding it, in which case your body is going to store calories. And that's what body fat is. It's a, it's a source of calories. It's a store of calories. So if you're eating, you're feeding you're storing calories. If you're fasting and you're not eating, that's when your insulin levels fall. And that's a signal for your body to start taking some of those calories that you stored away and taking them out. So the idea is that you really want to be in a balance. You want to be in a balance of sort of storing calories and then have a period of time where you're taking those calories back out. And if you keep that in balance, then you're doing okay. The, what happened in the 70s is that uh, people were mostly fasting about 14 hours. So if they had dinner at 6 or 7, uh, then they'd eat breakfast at 7 or 8. You're talking about 12, 13 hours of fasting every single day without even thinking about it. 
However, in, you know, since the 90s and 2000s, people had the advice, oh, eat all the time, eat as soon as you get up, don't skip breakfast, you know, eat until, you know, six meals a day. So the eating window just sort of expanded to almost the entire time we we're awake. So we're losing that fasting period. And that fasting period is really the only period of time that you can take the calories out of storage because our body has the ability to store those calories. That's why you don't die in your sleep like every single night because we can power our body through what we've stored. So if you just simply take that and say, now if you want to lose weight, then you simply extend the fasting period to say, you know, 14 hours, 16 hours, 20 hours, whatever you will. And it simply allows your body a bit more time to use the calories that it's stored away. And there's nothing really unnatural about it. That's how we've survived as a species. We have the ability to store these calories on our body, and we have the ability to take those calories back out when we need them. So there's there's nothing wrong with it. For, for a lot of years, uh, I was taught as a physician and almost every other health professional was taught that, oh, you shouldn't fast. But it was strange because... Uh, one, our body can handle it. Two, fasting has been used for thousands and thousands of years. And three, as a physician, I actually told people to fast all the time. If they were going for surgery, they'd have to fast. After surgery, they'd have to fast. If they went for colonoscopy, they'd have to fast. If you do fasting blood work, you have to fast. So I knew as a physician that when you fast, hey, your body can handle it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just part of a natural cycle. So that's why it's become more popular. When I started using it about seven, eight years ago, uh, people thought it was completely insane uh, to use intermittent fasting. But um, when I looked at the science, I recognized that, hey, there was actually nothing wrong with it. People have been doing it for thousands of years Virtually every religion in the world had used it. So, uh, you know, literally billions of people were fasting right. on a regular basis. So then what does a day look like if you're intermittent fasting? Because I, I lied. Maybe I do do this because I go to bed at like or I eat at like 5 p.m. And then I don't eat until the morning. So I guess I'm kind of fasting for a while. <laughs> um, but if someone does want to kind of follow a structured regime, what, what would that look like? Yeah, so the most popular sort of fasting regimens is first sort of the standard that, that everybody should be doing is sort of a 12 to 14 hour fast, which is sort of breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then nothing after dinner until breakfast, right? That's why it's called the breaking your fasting because you're not supposed to eat after dinner. Um, so that's sort of a standard baseline, 12 so to 14 So that's intermittent hours. fasting then still. Yeah, and that's, oh. that's, that's really what everybody should be doing. Got lost in the last 20, 30 years when we told people, hey, eat all the time and constantly graze and constantly snack. So um, the people had been doing this for the you know, 1970s sort of all the way <laughs> to antiquity. Um, so people should be fasting. That's, that's why you have the term breakfast. Um, if you want to push it, then the next uh, step is, say, 16 hours, which is an eight-hour eating window. And it's often called the 16-8 or time-restricted eating. So what that would look like, for example, is you might eat from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. and don't eat outside of that. So, you know, in, in, a, in a practical terms, it really just means skipping breakfast and breaking your fast at 11 and that's relatively simple to do. Um, the next step above that is probably somewhere around 20 to 24 hour fast. And some people call this a one meal a day schedule as well, where they would uh, basically eat, say, uh, dinner and then not eat until the next day's dinner. So you skip breakfast, you skip lunch. And that's about a 23 hour fast. I will not uh, be doing that. Have, 
<laughs> yeah, that's a little bit more. Um, and again, it's it's uh, very useful in certain cases. So if people really need to lose weight and uh, or if their sugars are very high, then you're allowing your body sort of a chance to burn down that extra sugar and really can help people with their type 2 diabetes or their pre-diabetes, for example. Um, and, and the point is that a lot of us now in you know this sort of day and age, do have excess calories stored in our body. So our body stores it as sugar or fat. So if you're a diabetic, you have too much sugar. If, if you're overweight, you have too much fat. So giving your body that extra time to sort of clean itself out of that excess is, is sometimes very useful. Interesting. Yeah, I know you, you talked about kind of storing those extra calories and then those extra calories are taken out. What other benefits besides weight loss and managing your blood sugar does intermittent fasting have? This is really interesting because it actually has a huge number of benefits that people don't even recognize. So one of the things that uh, people worry about, for example, is that their bodies will sort of shut down or they're going to this sort of called starvation mode. And that actually doesn't happen because the, um, the body, when you don't eat, uh, certain hormones go down, insulin goes down, but other hormones go up. So there, there's something called the counter-regulatory response. So things like the sympathetic nervous system becomes activated, growth hormone goes up. So that's very good if you're trying to build or maintain muscle, good for osteoporosis, that kind of thing. But also uh, noradrenaline goes up. So your body's actually powering up. So your body is actually taking the calories from from the sugar, from the fat and releasing it. But at the same time, increasing the energy flow into the body. So when you do studies, for example, uh, if you take somebody and you don't feed them for four days and you measure how many calories they're burning at day zero compared to day four, it's interesting because people think that you're going to be burning less. In in actuality, the studies show that you're burning about 10% more calories on day four of no food. Wow. So that's really interesting because people think, oh, I'm going to have no energy. Actually, you have a lot of energy. You have more energy than you ever had. And people think I can't concentrate. But people actually can concentrate better than they've ever had uh, because of this the same uh, hormonal response. So, for example, we've all experienced this. So Thanksgiving is coming up. And if you eat a huge amount of food, do you really feel very active and mentally sharp afterward? Or do you want to lie on the sofa and watch some football? That's about all you want to do. <laughs> Definitely so, not. But don't make me play yeah. football after dinner because I can, I can watch it. I cannot play it after. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so the, the fact thing is interesting because it's going to give you more energy it's going to increase your concentration you think you know thinking about animals think about a lion who's just eaten right it's just sleepy and a little lethargic compared to the hungry wolf like you want to be the hungry wolf you're dialed in you're zoned in you have a lot of energy to do what you want to do so those are some of the the, the benefits and people haven't even and have people that's not even including the things like autophagy which is this other uh, mechanism by which the body sort of breaks down its unnecessary parts so it's sort of this uh, sort of cleaning cycle and at the same time you increase growth hormone so that when you do eat again you will rebuild the proteins that you need so you're basically getting rid of the old stuff and bringing in the new stuff and that's interestingly enough why a lot of people used to say these were detoxes or you know it's part of this rejuvenation cycle and that's how fasting had traditionally been viewed except in the last 20 30 years 
you mentioned something um, about increasing your concentration. Uh, what What is it about what's happening in your body that helps you focus more if you do fast? Because I felt I felt that even you know before work, if I go to a show and I eat something right before, I end up getting tired and kind of losing my train of thought. But if I don't eat for a little bit, I feel much better. Yeah, that's that's the uh, sympathetic nervous system. So we have. Um, this the system which uh, is called the fight or flight response. So if you have, if you see a lion, for example, uh, all of a sudden your sympathetic nervous system kicks in. It floods the energy, it floods the body with energy, so that you can run away or fight. Right, that's the fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. That's the same response you get during fasting. So when you don't eat, your body is actually going to start taking those the energy out from sugar and fat and actually going to increase the amount of energy that your body is using. This was probably a um, protective response. So if you think about, uh, you know, say we're cavemen and cave women and there's no food available, if our body starts to shut down, then you have less energy to go out and get food. So the body is just not that stupid. Like it's not going to survive like that. So what instead what your body does is it says, okay, I'm going to switch energy sources. Instead of relying on food, I'm going to rely on my body fat and then really pump up the energy, pump up the concentration. So now you can go out and hunt or you can go out and gather or whatever. So in fact, if you want to have a good show or whatever, you probably want to go in on an empty stomach. It's, 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 you're just going to have, you're going to be mentally sharper. In fact, the ancient Greeks, for example, they used to have rules where um, you couldn't go to class unless you were fasted because they thought, well, you ate. (laughs) This was a story from uh, ancient Greece, the, the ancient Greek mathematician Pythagoras. He would do this, and, and legend has it he also did this for his own exams. He would fast so that he would be mentally sharper to go in there. And, you know, you want to be the hungry wolf. You want to be dialed in. You want to be able to concentrate. And, um, you know, other people have used it too. Um, Georges St. Pierre, the mixed martial artist, he would say when he's fasted, he was just dialed in. So when he's, he's doing his fights and so on, he, he said, he, you know, he could see everything. Everything's like in slow motion. He was so dialed in. And that's the effect of that sympathetic uh, nervous system. So it's not like voodoo science. It's like we know this is a normal response to fasting. And you can sort of hack it. And that's why a lot of these biohackers use fasting because they're like, well, You know, if you want to do well or give a good speech or do well in a a particular performance, hey, don't have a big meal just before you go on. Right. Okay. so um, the intermittent fasting that I've heard of is that 11 to 7, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. So how many times within that time frame should you be eating? I mean, do you eat, quote, breakfast or lunch at 11 and then do you eat again at like two and then at six? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, the, 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 the best thing is to try and eat as normally as possible. So you, you want to eat like you normally eat, but then just drop everything outside of it. So say you normally eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You, you want to just drop your breakfast and eat as normally uh, lunch and dinner as possible. You want to basically follow your normal schedule, just dropping that meal. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to force your body to sort of eat those calories that you would normally have at breakfast, for example. You want it to take those calories out of your body fat. If you simply eat breakfast and lunch together at you know 12 o'clock, like the same amount, well, you're not going to have as good as an effect. So whatever you normally do, 
Got you it. just take that, take that sort of eating window, cut everything else out and try and stay normal. That way, when you go back to, and you don't have to do it every day. Some people do it, you know, five days a week or three days a week, or some people do it every day. How do you know you're um, not over fasting? Um, it's very difficult to, your body knows what to do. I mean, we have this system in our body. You can, you know, use the food for energy or can use the stores of food, right? So no matter what you do, your body will figure out where the calories are going to come from. So if you don't eat, it's going to take the calories out of your body fat, for example. It's just a storage system. Um, you don't have to eat all the time. If you have a regular amount of body fat, then say, suppose each pound of body fat is 3,500 calories. That's two days worth of calories. Like you could go, as long as you have a single pound of excess body fat, you could go two days without eating and your body would be perfectly fine because it's just going to take those calories from your body fat. Is there so any- since most of us have more than one pound of excess <laughs> Unfortunately, body fat. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. So we're good for a good number of uh, time. <laughs> It's recess time, but we'll be back soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is there any drawback to intermittent fasting? Like what, what happens? I always heard growing up and, you know, maybe this was just a different school of thought, but if you don't eat breakfast first thing, you're going to shoot your metabolism and then your metabolism isn't going to work as it usually does if you're kind of throwing your body off. So uh, has that been proven false at this point? Yeah, it's it. That was never pre, that was never based on any science. People just said that, and uh. then it got repeated enough that they thought it was true. <laughs> um, you know, the, this whole idea of starvation mode or your metabolic rate going down—that is, you're burning fewer calories is uh, not really true during fasting, it tends to stay stable or go up. In fact, it tends to, when, when they compare trials of uh, people who do calorie restriction versus fasting, uh, what they find is that the, the, the fasting tends to have less of a decrease in your metabolic rate than just pure calorie restriction. Mm. So if you take the same number of calories and you sort of eat six times a day, like grazing or whatever, uh, you, you're better off just taking the same number of calories, but say in one or two discrete meals instead of grazing. My friend used to say, you know, uh, grazing, it's really for cows or if you want to look like <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually a great, a great analogy because it is true. Yeah. Um, cows do graze all day and they have, a, they have a wonderful life because they just get to be out in the, in the fields, I guess. <laughs> um, okay. So also something you hear about is visceral fat and, you know, that harmful fat that's kind of in the abdominal cavity causes disease. So does intermittent fasting help get rid of that since you're then drawing your energy from the fat? Is that the fat that you're drawing from? Yep, absolutely. So if you compare, again, there's been several studies which have compared calorie restriction versus intermittent fasting. And what they find is that the visceral fat goes down much more preferentially during intermittent fasting because the body, when it doesn't have anything to eat, is going to start 
pulling from its stores of body fat. And the easiest one to pull from is the stuff that's sort of around in and around the liver, because that's the liver is what sort of pulls the energy back out. So that's, it's right there. All the fat is like right there, as opposed to the subcutaneous, which is the fat underneath your skin. So visceral fat goes down much more preferentially, um, you know, also with low carb diets and ketogenic diets, they, they tend to pull that fat out preferentially. So we use this actually in um, surgery, for example, when they do bariatric surgery. So, so when people are overweight, they'll actually put them on a period of very, very low calories or fasting or low carb so that they can shrink that liver to make it easier in the operating field. Oh, it's, wow. it's just technically easier. So it, you can pull that out sort of preferentially. And that's the dangerous stuff. So that's why intermittent fasting might be a great strategy to use. So at what point, so you're saying intermittent fasting pulls the fat that's around the liver before it starts pulling from the subcutaneous fat um, that's kind of under your skin. Is there any point, is that what you're saying? I Just uh, just to clarify yeah. first. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's, it's better at that than just pure calorie restriction so then at what point does it move on to the subcutaneous fat or does it Um, well it does i mean at some point it does uh there's there's a balance there but uh yeah getting rid of that original uh, visceral fat is probably better for you than anything else right um yeah so then if, if you were gonna do one of these regimes, you, you have, or regimens, you have um, the one that you said 16 hours and eight hours, you know, that 11 to 7 p.m. or the 12 to 14 hour, there's the 23 one, which one would you suggest people do? I think that the best thing is to do whatever fit into your schedule the easiest, because if it's really hard, then you're not going to do it. So the easiest is the sort of 16-8. So you, you basically, if you drop breakfast, you're there already practically. Um, you know, you can eat from 11 until 7 or 12 till 8. And then you keep that uh, outside of that, you don't eat. So that's a very easy schedule. And the thing is that I skip breakfast most days because, and it wasn't for any reason other than I got into that habit many years ago in medical school, you know, I was always tired. I always prefer to sleep rather than eat breakfast. So I'd get up literally like Mm. five minutes before (laughs) I had to roll out of bed. I'd roll out five minutes later, I was, you know, going into hospital. So I'd prefer to sleep that extra 20 minutes. And that was the reason I got into the habit. But once you get into the habit, it's very easy because then it's just automatic. And this is one of the things that's really important because you want to build those habits that make it easy for you to maintain your weight. So in the 70s, for example, there was no habit of snacking or eating in the car or eating outside of dinner table, that kind of thing. So it's easy for people to follow that because it's a habit. You don't have to exert willpower to always say, okay, today I'm going to skip breakfast. So that's the easiest. The 16-8 is very easy if you drop breakfast. Then once in a while, what I'll do is I'll, I'll drop lunch as well. And then that gets you to a 24-hour fast. And the, the point is that it fits into a regular working day schedule very easily mm. um, because if you work through lunch, mostly people don't know. So I had a meeting at 12. I'm doing this podcast now at 1. And that's it. I'm done. I'm, I've, I've, I've gone, skipped lunch, and barely even noticed it. So and you're saying I me. get all the credit for helping you keep fast today is what you're saying. <laughs> 
That's right. <laughs> um, so it, I think that if it if it's easy to fit into your life, then then it's going to be good. If you start dropping dinner with your family all the time, well, that's going to really eat into your sort of enjoyment of life yeah, and all your this happiness stuff, right? Your your friends with your dinner with friends and stuff. You don't want to do that. So these sixteen hours, twenty four hours, they're very easy to fit in. And, and again, the twenty four hours you don't have to do all the time. You might do two, three times a week or whenever you want. Or if, if if you gained a bit of weight over the holidays or something or over Thanksgiving, then you can do a bit more. Do a few extra ones, get that weight off. And then you don't have to worry about it because you know that even if you're a little bit uh, you know, ate a little bit too much pie during Thanksgiving, you know, you can make up for it next, the, the next week because you can say, oh, I can do a bit more fasting. I'll let my body just use up those excess calories. Exactly. The pie is really helping you because it's going to be stored in your body and then you can use it as energy later. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doc, is there anyone who should not be fasting or intermittent fasting? Um, I, yeah, I think that if you're doing longer fasts and certainly over 24 hours, then for children, you want to be careful, pregnancy, breastfeeding. If you're on medications, you want to be careful because not that you can't do it, but the medications are prescribed based on your current eating habits. So in those cases, uh, nutrition is important, like kids are growing and pregnancy, breastfeeding, you want to make sure you're adequately getting nutrition. So the shorter fasts are okay, keeping in mind that a normal fast is 12 to 14 hours. So uh, you don't want to go sort of more than 24 hours. That's a little bit long. But, you know, you don't have to eat all the time as kids. I mean, if you fact, I mean, in the 70s, if you're a naughty boy, you got sent to bed without dinner. That's right. So you went from lunch to breakfast. You're talking about a 20-hour or 16, 18, 20-hour fast. And none of, nobody died. Nobody had any problems. Hopefully, you learned your lesson, and that was about it. So right. your body can take care of these things. Uh, so you don't have to worry so much. But you know, certainly don't try to go extended periods of time. In the 60s, when they this was more popular, when they talked fasting, they were doing like 30 days at a time. It was 30 like, days. They, were, they didn't eat I for know, 30 days. Crazy. Yeah, that's what they considered fasting. If you read the studies from from back then, they're like, oh, we, we did a study on fasting. You took people and didn't feed them for 30 days. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and now we worry if people go 30 hours without. Yeah, I know, know, right? Eating. I'm like, I skip breakfast. And I'm like, it's, it's 1145. It's, I need, I'm starving. I need, I need to, I'm going to die if I don't eat. <laughs> that is wild. Um, yeah. Is there, is there a goal number of calories that you should be eating? I know everybody's body's different, but within that time frame, is there amount of calories you should be consuming? No, not really. As I said, you should try and eat as normally as possible. So, so if you eat 2000 calories in a day, for example, say you eat 500 breakfast, 500 lunch and 1000 at dinner, just for argument's sake. If you're going to drop breakfast, then you should be eating around 1,500 calories. If you're doing one meal, then you should eat about 1,000 calories mm -hmm. because you're trying to force your body to take the other 500 calories from your body fat. Um, you probably will eat a bit more than that, but uh, you, you should try and keep things sort of as steady as possible. Uh, people always worry about that and they say, isn't that calorie restriction? It's like, no, it's not the same because... Your, your body has, your body fat might have 100,000 calories sitting in there. It's, it's being able to have access to those stores of calories. That's the problem, not the total number of calories. So you don't have to force 2,000 calories in a single meal. Like that's not the point here. The point is to eat a normal dinner 
and let your body take the other calories it needs from your body fat. Mm. And that's what the fasting does. It, it allows the hormones to naturalize. So if you simply take a thousand calories and spread them out over six meals, the problem is every time you eat, your body goes into feeding mode, not fasting mode. Remember, feeding mode is when insulin goes up and your body is being told to store those calories, not pull those calories out. So if you keep telling your body, you know, store the calories, store the calories, then you're going to gain weight. Got it. Okay, so if someone listened to this podcast and they thought, wow, I'm really inspired to do intermittent fasting, what is the biggest thing they should know going into it? Um, other than that, it's, it's sort of hunger, dealing with hunger, because that's what sort of everybody worries about. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen. You're going to get hungry. If you're used to eating you know, three meals a day and you go down to two or you go down to one, you're going to get hungry at the time that you normally eat uh, the meal. So the thing to know about hunger is that it doesn't continue to build. So everybody thinks that the hunger is going to get worse and worse and worse until you're going to have to stuff your face with a donut. And then everybody says, that's bad. Yes, that is bad. Hunger doesn't actually do that. If you actually look at what happens, hunger actually is like a wave. It crests, and then it just goes down to normal. So when they fast people for 24 hours, what they find is that the hunger goes uh, peaks at three times, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you don't eat lunch, for example, you're hungry at 12, you're hungry at 1. By 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, your actually level of hunger is actually the same as if you ate. Oh, wow. So it just goes back down to baseline. And we've all done this. We've gotten so busy that we work right through lunch. At one, you're like starving. At three or four, it's like, hmm, you feel pretty normal. And why is that? Well, the body took the 500 calories from your body fat stores. So why would you be hungry, right? So instead of taking 500 calories at lunch, you took 500 calories from your body fat stores. Well, it's all the same. So why would you be hungry anymore, right? But it's all good. So your hunger is going to go back to baseline. But if you know that that's going to pass in an hour or two, then what you can do is sort of prepare for it. You can say, okay, when I get hungry, this is what I'm going to do. So what I tell people is put it on the schedule. So put something on the schedule that's going to take you away. Schedule, say, a walk with a friend. Schedule a meeting so that you're so busy that that you don't even have time to think about it. Right. Wow. I didn't think of it that way. Um, I, I'm going to, I am going to start doing that. Cause it is true when you're, when you're at work and you eat, let's say 11 AM and then you're talking with coworkers and then you're like, all of a sudden it's 3 PM and you didn't eat, you completely forget about it. So if you kind of schedule that into your day, whether you're in the office or somewhere else, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it makes it easy. And, and, and the thing is in workplaces, for example, there's many ways to do this, like getting rid of say, um, the, the candy bowl, say, okay, there's no eating at your, 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 your table, no food in the meetings and stuff. Getting all rid of all those cues is really important because if somebody didn't eat, then, you know, going to a meeting where they have like muffins and cookies, well, what's going to happen? You're going to eat those muffins. And cookies. <laughs> but if they weren't there, you wouldn't have thought about it. Because That's very true. Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So again, again, this is probably one of the secrets of the 70s. The 70s people were not more willpower. It's just that the environment was set up for success. Like nobody would eat 
cookies in a meeting because it's like it's a work period it's not eating period so then nobody was ever tempted to sort of aha uh, have these sort of things or uh you know so and you're not walking in front of a donut store uh in the lobby sort of thing right yeah. so that you're not always tempted culture is kind of shifted in a way yeah um past that wow yeah this was all very fascinating, Dr. Fung. You're extremely knowledgeable on all of this. And I'm, I'm inspired to start intermittent fasting because it's true. I think sometimes we do it by accident. And I think some days people probably feel a little bit better without realizing that they had done something like this. So if you make it a part of your everyday life and it becomes a habit, then you are set up more for success. So I'll, I'll be joining the train. <laughs> <laughs> Great to hear. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and enjoy whatever meal you are eating next. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. If you miss anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about intermittent fasting. Number one, Dr. Fung says intermittent fasting is essentially helping you get rid of the old stuff and bring in the new stuff. He emphasizes there's nothing wrong with fasting. There's this idea that we shouldn't fast, but our body can actually handle it. It's been around for thousands of years. In fact, intermittent fasting pulls fat from around the liver first before your subcutaneous fat. So it can have huge benefits for your health. Number two, speaking of benefits, fasting can help increase your concentration because your sympathetic nervous system or your fight or flight floods your body with energy. Dr. Fung says this is probably a protective response. If you have no food available when you're a caveman or a cavewoman, you need that energy to go find food. And number three, contrary to popular belief, hunger doesn't actually continue to build up like people think. It actually crests, then goes back to normal. That's because your body is taking those calories from your body fat rather than from your food. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on intermittent fasting. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.